bit. Mamas, we love you. You, you know, we, we could not do anything. That's a capital N, capital E, anything without mamas. You know what I mean? Mamas are a special, special breed. They, 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 they do the unimaginable. Uh, in fact, they create sometimes the unimaginable. They listen to the unimaginable. And somehow they love the unimaginable. Do you know what I mean this morning? Everyone in this world has a different idea uh, about what makes a hero. But heroes come in different shapes and sizes and colors. Heroes don't always wear a cape and don't always have superpowers. Sometimes their ability is to make a PB&J sandwich. That's what a hero is like sometimes. They can read bedtime stories with inflection, right? Right, not just any old bedtime story. Uh, they, they can pray over you after telling you there's nothing to be afraid of and you believe it. That's, that's the kind of superhero I'm talking about. They pack your lunch with a special note tucked inside. How many of y'all ever got one of those when y'all were going to school? Oh, you were loved. The rest of you guys, uh, we just missed it. Mama didn't love me that much. They got a calmness on the night before your big project, and you know you should have got that project done a few weeks ago, but somehow you waited to the last night, and the project's due at 8.05 in the morning, and you're stressed and panicked, and mom's like, we can do this. You know what I'm talking about? Anybody been there before? Yeah, admit it. And, uh, and then somehow, no matter how crazy life gets, it seems like mom's hugs make life doable, right? No matter, what, no matter what's happening, mom's hugs make life doable. I was just noticing things. I was writing out the word mom. Just some cheesy stuff. Let me throw at you this morning. Do you know when you write the word mom left to right, it reads the same? Isn't that marvelous? I realize, you know what? I can be right or I can be wrong but it's still going to be mom. Thank God my mom don't care if I'm right or wrong, you know? And then as I threw the piece of paper on the desk, it landed upside down, and I literally saw the word, wow. I was like, you know what? Because only a mom can take an upside-down world, and you go, wow. Moms are something else, amen? Pray with me this morning. Father, what a gift. What a gift you gave to us and our mothers. Lord, we don't treat that so lightly. We know how good they have been to us. Lord, if anybody in the world can exemplify an unconditional love and love us better than we deserve, it's mama. We thank you, Lord, for every one of them. Lord, we pray that you would give them more grace than we've already taxed on them, Lord. More mercy. We pray you bless them, Lord, in all that they do. I pray you'd bless them today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I don't know if you've had the privilege of being raised by a godly mother. Not everybody has. And when we start to look at um, all that a godly mother brings to the table, sometimes we realize that there are those who don't have that luxury. That's why it's so important for moms to understand that being a godly mother is a treasure for your children. That they can't find or replace or make on their own. And so if you've had that ability to embrace godly motherhood, thank your mom today. Call her, text her, FaceTime her, whatever you got to do. But not all mothers love unconditionally. Not all mothers sacrifice selflessly. 
labor endlessly. When I was reading through Scripture, I found a mother who, after her son had died and he was heir to the throne, she went out and killed all her grandkids just so she could take over the throne. There's not always godly mothers in our, in our life. In fact, as I was just going down that thought just to create contrast this morning, you remember in 1995 when Susan Smith cried on TV about her two, her two kids uh, being abducted when, in fact, she drowned them in a car. Not too long ago in 2001, Andrea Yates drowned five of her kids in a bathtub. And just recently, um, Lori Vallow, or Vallow was using religion to justify killing her two teenagers, or one almost teenager. What I know is simply this, is that the world has come a long way from embracing motherhood. You and I have a hard time understanding the framework of a mom who would do such things. It's outside our comprehension. I was speaking with uh, Gina before service, and I just realized yesterday when I was preaching, uh, um, last week when I was preaching, the Lord said, said that even if your mother could walk away from you, I never would. Think about that, that he realizes that it's, it's almost impossible for a mother to walk away from their child, but even if they could, the Lord said he never would. And so what we know about moms is simply this, is that, that it is not easy for them to turn their, their, their backs on their children. It's not within their structure, their DNA. But you and I, we live in a world that has lost sight of moral, spiritual, ethical, parental boundaries and has embraced lust, selfishness, pride, and death. James 1.15 tells us, Then desire, when it, is, when it conceives, gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. My goal today is to not depress you. That's not what we've come here for. But to say that even in a sin-set culture, that there are still mothers, godly mothers, who are raising godly children for the glory of Christ in the face of today's culture. And so the fact that you're here already tells me that you are what we need desperately. In fact, if I could just, um, just throw it out there and ask, uh, I would say, moms, I, I so appreciate you loving your children but find another mother who's struggling. Because sometimes that's a lonely job and a thankless job and no one's there to help. And so if you see a younger mother who needs some help um, and you know what that looks like, you've been there yourself, lend a hand, make an offer. Can I, can I hold your baby for a second? Can I tie your shoes for it? Whatever it takes, be there for them. But godly motherhood is what God has always intended for that to be like. As we look through Scripture, we see all kinds of godly mothers in Scripture. Three of the ones I think that step out the most to me was Jochebed. I love Jochebed. That was the mother of Moses. When the man's law came out, they were supposed to kill the kids, the Jewish kids, the Israel kids. Uh, she said, no, I'm not going to obey man's law. I'm going to obey God's law because this is my child and I'll not give him up. And the fact that she stood against political correctness of her day and had a, a, a child whose name was Moses speaks to the fact that women can do what's right even when they've been told to do wrong, even in the face of, of serious um, uh, consequence, even at the cost of their life. Not just Jochebed, but Hannah. Hannah was a woman who was not given a perfect condition, and she said, Lord, if you give me a son, I will raise him in the strictest fashion 
possible and I'll raise him against any and every culture that opposes God. Matter of fact, I'll raise him with shame from the culture if you give me a son. And that she did with Samuel and he was the greatest, one of the greatest prophets of Israel. The last one I was thinking of was Rahab. Rahab was a woman who was a Gentile prostitute. You wouldn't think that great of a mother, but, but Rahab understood a few things. She realized that she was going to believe in a God over her, her culture's belief or her culture's faith. And because she did so, Scripture says that she was a great uh, grandmother to David the king and birthed many kings. If you look at godly mothers throughout time, you'll see that there's a prophecy in them. And there's a reason why Satan does not like you, mothers, because through your womb comes some of the greatest, all of the men uh, who've ever been birthed on this earth. Genesis 3.15, just to remind you why Satan is against you, says, I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring, and she shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. Obviously, that was speaking to Mary and Jesus, but they didn't just stop there. Because Satan has to constantly think, is who is going to be the next big preacher or next big evangelist or next big missionary or, or next big uh, um, a prayer warrior or, or next great husband to, to, uh, to raise children and to love another woman like God does. Who's, who's the next person that's going to come through that, wo- that womb and to establish God's kingdom here on earth? Satan is constantly thinking about that. In fact, he's thinking about this in Romans 6.20 says, the God of peace will soon crush Satan under your child's feet, your feet. So Satan knows that every child God's given you is a child he has to submit himself to. Those are feet that he has to bow down to. He has to submit to because of what God has done. And so with all your might, mama, fight the culture. Fight what seeks to devour your children. Regardless of your circumstance, regardless of your situation, fight for your children until you can fight no more. And that's exactly what we see today in our text this morning. Turn with me to 2 Samuel 21, 8 through 14. Let me give you some background really quick as you get there. David is on the throne. There's been no rain for three years. And uh, he has sought God, and God says the reason why there's no rain is because the blood guilt of Saul. Saul killed some people that were in covenant with Israel, and therefore God. And God has withheld rain because that's how God judges the nation for Israel. He's withheld rain. And so David says, what shall we do? And he says, go and deal with uh, the Gibeonites. He called the Gibeonites up, sent them a text message, whatever it was. And he said, we have some problems. What are we supposed to do? And they said, We don't want silver and gold, and we don't want to kill all of Israel. We just need seven sons of Saul. And so here is David trying to make a decision on what we should do. And he he concedes, and it says right here in verse 8, The king took the two sons of Rizpah, the daughter of Ai, whom she bore to Saul, Armani, and Mephibosheth, and the five sons of Merib, the daughter of Saul, whom she bore to, uh, to Adriel, the son of Barzillai, Zah, at the Methel, that's the guy, you know what I'm talking about. And he gave them into the hands of the Gibeonites, and they hanged them on the mountain before the Lord. And the seven of them perished together. And they were put to death in the first days of harvest and the beginning of, harle, uh, uh, of the barley harvest. Then Rizpah, the daughter of Ai, 
uh, took sackcloth and spread it for herself on the rock. And from the beginning of harvest until rain fell upon them for the heavens. And she did not allow the birds of the air to come upon them by day or the beasts of the field by night. And when David was told what Rizpah, the daughter of Ai, did, the concubine of Saul had done, David went and took the bones of Saul and the bones of his son Jonathan and the men of Jabesh-Gilead, who had stolen them from the public square of Bethshan, where the Philistines had hanged them on the day the Philistines killed Saul on Gilboa. And he brought them up from there and brought up there from the bones of Saul and the bones of his son Jonathan. And they gathered the bones of those who were hanged. And they buried the bones of Saul and his son Jonathan in the land of Benjamin in Zelah, in the tomb of Kish's father. And they did all the king commanded. And after that, God responds to the plea of the land. And so what we see is happening here is, is as they hung these seven boys, these seven men, they, they let them stay out there for a long time. They were hung up for overnight, which is a problem we'll talk about in just a second. But after that happened, there was a mama that went out there, and in a real brief part of Scripture, there was a mom that came out there and said, I, I, can't, let my, I can't let my baby's bones be, be disgraced. And so she stood out there for a long time, a very long time, until finally one day the king had heard of it, rain had come, and he came and he gathered their bones, and they went and got the bones of King Saul and his best friend Jonathan, and they buried them together and put them away the way they were supposed to. And so when we read this story, we look at it as if the main focus of the story is God righting every wrong, that he punishes those who seek to live contrary to his character. But that's not it at all, because hidden away in this story, in the brief part of Scripture, is a woman with incredible devotion incredible determination and dedication. A mother who, love, who loves uh, her children so much that she loved them past their death. And so Rizpah's widow Saul and the mother of her two sons who paid for his sins, not their own, lays out an example that I want to build on today. And her life demonstrates to us what it looks like to be a devoted mother. The devotion to our children is not typical of what what we call normal devotion. But what I want you to understand for, for mothers out there, your devotion is far beyond most people, but I, I know for sure that a mother's devotion is committed not only to the life of her child, but also to the legacy of her child. It's important to, to differentiate, is that she's called not just to the life, how well he or she lives, but she's called to the legacy that that child leaves behind. Rizpah understood this. Who was Rizpah? Rizpah, as we find in 2 Samuel 3, was a concubine of Saul. Rizpah being a concubine was good enough to raise the children, was good enough to be in charge of the palace, was good enough to have children worthy of the throne. She was good enough to play house with, to sleep with, to be his slave, but not be his queen. She was good enough, but everything of what she truly was. If you've ever had to battle for significance, you and Rizba may have something in common. If you've ever been made to feel uh, like you weren't good enough or you felt second rate, if you've ever felt used and shoved to the back of the line, if you ever felt the sharp sting of rejection, if you've ever been loved and then left, you might know something what Rizba's gone through in life. Rizpah wasn't good enough to be married to the king, 
but her children enough were good enough to die for his sins. That was difficult. And even in the face of all of that, she stood, fear, she stood fearlessly. Life can throw you some, some curveballs sometimes, but ladies, can I tell you, don't ever let someone tell you that you're not good enough, that you're second rate. Don't ever sit silently by and let some man take out his or, or even some woman or some person, some family, take out their frustrations on you or your children. You may not have a king in your home. You may not have um, uh, the place of perfection or a home that, that, that speaks of a perfect Christian life. But can I tell you this morning that even if you don't have a king in your home, does not mean you cannot be a queen. I promise you that. All that you need to make sure is that you have a king in your heart. In fact, if you have a king in your heart, it'll make you the queen of your home. That's all that you need this morning. Your worth comes from who he says you are. Who he says you are. Not from any others, what they say or think about you. And so looking at our story, I noticed some things about Rispa that I realized were just huge. Because just because Rispa didn't share the throne doesn't mean she raised boys that weren't worthy of it. Did you hear what I said this morning? Just because she didn't share the throne, just because King Saul wasn't wouldn't willing to be a, a husband and a father, does not mean that she didn't raise boys worthy of the throne. Life will give you a thousand reasons sometimes, women, to, to shuck your responsibility or justify why you can't be good enough as a, a mom. But can I tell you, you can be everything that your children need you to be. I promise you, there's nobody in the world like their mama. As a matter of fact, I can give you one reason that will make the difference. A thousand reasons to justify why you can lay that, that assignment aside, but one reason alone is good enough. Because like me, I believe that when you get to heaven, you want to hear those statements. Well done, thy good and faithful servant. Rizba's sons may have died like criminals, but they were buried with kings because of a mother's devotion. Rizba understood what it meant to finish the assignment. So I want to look again at her devotion and see why this is so important. 2 Samuel 21, 9 through 10 says this. They were put to death in the first days of harvest, at the beginning of barley harvest. And then Rizba, the daughter of Ai, took sackcloth and spread it for herself on or against or over the rock from the beginning of harvest until rain fell upon them from the heavens. And she did not allow the birds of the air to come upon them by day or the beasts by the field by night. Here's what you need to know. Mama was out there for six months. Six months. From April until October, she was out there under the rock, under a piece of sackcloth, not resting, beating off vultures by day and beasts by night. She stood vigil for six months. Her only, sack, her only comfort was a piece of sackcloth for six months, and she risked her life fighting bird and beast. For six months. You say, Pastor Scott, why in the world does this matter? Why shouldn't she just call it quits and go home? Because Rizba understood. She was a, a mother that understood it's not just enough for me to be there for my kids' life. What matters is that I defend their legacy as well. And so as we look here, here's what we find. Scripture says of Jewish law, 
And Deuteronomy 21, 22 to 23 says, If a man has committed a crime punishable by death, and he is put to death, and you hang him on a tree, his body shall not remain all night on the tree, but you shall bury him the same day. So they're talking about a, a, a murderer or someone who's committed a crime punishable by death. It says, don't, lay, don't let them hang past evening, for a hangman is cursed by God. And then uh, verse 30, 17 of Proverbs says this, The eye that mocks a father and scorns to obey a mother will be picked out by the ravens of the valley and eaten by their vultures. Rizba couldn't change the reason why her sons died, but she could help how they were remembered. I think it's so important as we see this here is that she did not want her her kids to go down uh, in infamous history because they died because of their father's sons. I don't know about you, but but I, I imagine there's some, there's some people in the house who've had to pay for their father's sins. I know I'm one of them. But thank God I had a mama that said, you know what, Scott? It's, it's more about legacy than it is life. I know you didn't have the fair share. I know you didn't get a, a straight shake. I know you didn't have the best condition, the best opportunities. But I'm your mama, and I'm going to make sure that you know how to leave a legacy. Even if your life is not what it could have been, I'm going to at least make sure your legacy is what it should have been. And so that's the kind of mama that we're looking at today, that she was there no matter what. You see, you guys have to understand is that for Rizba to allow her son's bodies to be disgraced by bird and beast was to agree that her sons deserved death and disgrace. She said, no, that's not how it's going to work. Did you know that in, in, in Jewish culture, what matters most is not the life that you live, but how it is remembered. How you are buried, your memorial means more than the life that you live. You can live a horrible life, but at the last bit, you can give your life or do something honorable. And, and, and Jewish culture, remember the honorable thing that you did in spite of all the heathenistic living that you did. And so she understood that if my kids are going to die... They're not going to die in a way that's disgraceful. I care about how people think about them. I care about how their children think about them. I care about the culture and the society that they lived in. For how they were buried would be how Israel would remember them. Moms, the world don't always hand you a perfect environment. They don't always hand you a perfect opportunity. They don't always hand you a perfect family. But that's why examples like Jochebed and Hannah and, and, uh, and Rahab speak to us because they show us that it doesn't take um, uh, a perfect world to produce perfect children. Matter of fact, you can take an, an imperfect situation and make it impactful. So can I ask you? As you're raising your children, do you live? Do you have opportunities that are imperfect? Do you have kids that are imperfect? Mama's job is to make them impactful. We're not swinging for perfection. We're swinging for impact. And that's what Rizba did. Rizba knew that just because their father left them destitute didn't mean they would lose a mother's devotion. Just because they received their father's lot did not mean they would lose a mother's love. And just because their father robbed them of their life didn't mean their mom was going to release them from their legacy. Rispa took an imperfect situation and still made it impactful. Look at her devotion. First off, you should know is this. She didn't allow convenience to detour her 
from her calling. She didn't allow convenience to tour her from her calling. Mothers are always putting their needs last. Amen? They eat last, sleep last, think last. Mama's sacrifice is, is, is everything for their children. And the second thing we should see is this, is that she didn't allow discouragement to keep her from devotion. Rispa held her position for six months. There's nothing like a, a mother's devotion. Mothers uh, count the cost. Mothers hush the lies. Mothers give when they're empty. They feed you when they're hungry. And they love you when they're lonely. A mother faces discouraged to keep her from losing devotion for her children. And the third thing is simply this, is she didn't allow the culture to come for her children. You see, when her, her kids died, they were submitted and subjected to a death culture. But that's not what Rispa was going to allow them to do. Rispa refused to allow the death culture to have her children. Can I tell you, Mama, that today you and I, we live in a culture of death. In a culture of death. Death is an easy thing to do, an easy thing to say, and an easy thing to entertain. And, and I'm telling you that your, your kids need you to fight off vultures by day and beasts by night. Because hell is coming for your kids through their devices, at their schools, on their walks right down the road. No, as a matter of fact, I told my girls this when, when we were we living in uh, Sherwood. I said, the best way to send your father to hell is to get kidnapped while you're walking. Because I will change everything about me to make sure I find who he is. There's something about us that makes sure that we, we have to protect our kids. And the culture that you and I live in nowadays is entirely a death culture. And here's what it takes for us to, to refute and rebuttal that culture. It takes sacrifice. It takes staying up all night and praying if you have to. My mama used to tell me, she said, Scott, when you got home from work, I used to walk over to your shoes and anoint your shoes. And say, Lord, everywhere he goes frustrates him if it ain't ordained by God. I said, was that what you was doing, Mom? Mom said, everything that you did wrong, she goes, I pray, God, increase your consequence. Everything you did, I want you to increase this consequence, Lord. Because whatever it takes to save my child from the hell and the grave, do it. That's the kind of mama's devotion. They don't care what it takes. They don't care about our quality of life. What mamas care about is the legacy that you and I live behind. The world is full of examples like Rispa. I bet in this, in this room today, we have some modern-day Rispas who have stood guard over their children, who have spent sleepless nights on their hands and knees, keeping vigil for their babies, who have been through an emotional hell and back, who have grieved and cried as they watched their children suffer for somebody else's sins, who have sacrificed everything so their kids wouldn't be humiliated, who have beaten vultures and beasts back to hell so their kids wouldn't be devoured. I, I bet you we have some moms in here who understand what I'm talking about this morning. But I want to remind you one thing before we close today as the worship team comes back. Ladies, I want to end with this. Scripture says, and I love this part, after all that she went through, after all that she did in her devotion, Scripture says, when the king learned of what Rizpa had done, when the king learned of what Rizpa had done, can I just whisper some hope into your heart this morning, Mama? Regardless of what you're facing and 
what people have told you, what you can't do, or, or, or you should give up and let go. You'll never, you'll never win that son. He'll never listen to you. That daughter will never come back to you. You'll never gain that relationship again. Let me whisper some hope into your heart. The king knows what you're going through. The king has noticed your vigil. The king has seen your tears. The king has witnessed your sacrifice. The king has heard your prayers. And the king is coming to your rescue. Your child is important to the king this morning. He knows how important. It, your child is not just important to you, but important to the king. And just like David who went out and found the bones of Saul the king and the bones of Jonathan. And he went and he collected the bones of these seven boys. He brought, the king, he brought the boys all the way back to the king's house, and he buried them with kings. That is a great, great honor. He restored everything that was lost in their legacy and made them memorable for, for, until today. We're still remembering who they were. But more importantly, we're remembering a mother named Rispa, who for six months thought nobody would know, nobody would pay attention I'm just out here making sure that my dead body sons are not being picked off by vultures and eaten by beasts. A mother to love her kids past their life for their legacy is mind-blowing for me. And so I want to remind you before we leave this morning just a few things. Mama, remember your call to their legacy, not just their life. Have a king in your heart. Be a queen in your home. Make the imperfect impactful. And watch over the king's kids. And the king will watch over you. Will you stand with me this, this evening, this morning? Lord, as we go our, our separate ways today. Father, I, I pray, God, for these mamas, Lord, who have struggled and felt alone at times times when nobody else but the Holy Spirit saw the pain saw the loneliness they didn't feel good enough Lord you see those mamas whether or not dad is at home or not makes no difference God sometimes mamas just feel lonely so, Lord, I pray this morning, Father, that you would encourage every mother in your house today. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would give them the confidence, give them the wisdom, the discernment, that understanding about their kids, even before their kids begin to say what they're going through. Lord, let Mama already know. Give her the knowledge, Lord, to speak into their life. Give her, God, the unconditional agape love, Father, that, that covers every one of their, their kids' uh, faults or grievances. And I pray, God, that as you do that, you'd bless them. Because, Lord, our culture needs a mama that loves you. Our culture needs a mama who teaches us how to love the Lord. And so, Father, I thank you, God, for every one of them who have given their life to do just that. Bless them as they go today. God, remember to, to remind them that the king is watching in all that they do. I ask it, Father, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Before you go, don't forget to go across to the fellowship hall. 
We've got a little gift for you. It's your picture that you took this morning in a frame. Make sure you pick that up. Love on mama this morning before you go. We love you. We'll see you Wednesday night. You're dismissed.